This is the MFG Cast. Hey guys, it's Kurt. And this is D. Wyatt. In a world where everyone's looking for thematic games, <laughs> Kurt and D. Wyatt are here <laughs> to talk to you about those amazing thematic games. Ah, man, my intros, they're just the best, aren't they? I feel like your boss has to give you a raise, because otherwise Hollywood is just going to scoop you up for voiceover work. I mean, that it's inevitable. True. That is true. Yeah. Well, they're probably thinking, you know what? He's got the greatest voice, but not the best lines. We needed to find a writer for him. Yeah, that's the only thing that's separating you and those million-dollar paychecks, really. (laughs) That is true. That is true. That's the only thing, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, that's the only obstacle. Once you find a way to eliminate that, that's That's the money rolling in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Goodbye, stupid podcast. Just (laughs) podcast. I'll I'll never give you up. You can't take it away from me. You bastards. I'm going to have to start working on my uh, Kurt impersonations this way. (laughs) I can be like, this is the MFG cast. I'm Kurt and I'm Dan. (laughs) Like, man, those two guys sound very similar. I'm not even trying to make a different voice. Is that the brothers Murph? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They they sound nothing like you. Anyway, um, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about games that have more of a thematic nature to them that kind of tell a story instead of like, hi, I'm magic. I have flavor text. That doesn't tell me a story. I don't care how many times you tell that to me, magic players, that text on that, that flavor text, guess what? Does not tell me a story. It just tells me a line of something that's quirky. See, Kurt, that's where you're missing out. What you have to do is you have to get the entire series of magic cards that come out in that wave, and then you get the story. Oh, Jesus Christ. So I have to piece it together like I'm Indiana frickin' Jones or what here? Yeah, it's it's basically, you know, you got to cut out the bottom of all the cards and follow the clues, and then you'll find the hidden stash of the ultra rares. Nice, nice. I've, I put, I've put number one through 1,500 together. Now I can read for five years and die before I even get to that point. You know, I think if we actually did that with some magic cards and we made a movie about it, like National Treasure except Magic Edition, we could probably stand to make some good money. I bet you all the nerds would pay for that, regardless of how good or how bad that actually was. I mean, if they're making a Catan movie, we can do this. The only question is, how much do we That's need for true. the lawyers when we get sued senselessly? <laughs> yeah, that is true. Hmm. How could we get away with that? Hmm. You know what I'd like to do? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You know what I'd like to do as a funny thing, and I think this could be something for a, for another episode, is just take a bunch of crappy cards, cards that you know aren't going to sell or whatever, and take those flavor text, chop them all together, and put them into, like, a paragraph and see how just terrible they are. Oh, like almost like those AI-generated stories and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that exactly. would be pretty cool. 
Yeah, except we're gonna we're gonna paste them together like a ransom note, yes. like a really <laughs> bad ransom note, and then you send it to the newspaper. Yeah, but then, exactly. But then you forgot you put your return address sticker in the corner, and they're instantly <laughs> at your door. Yeah, exactly. Oops, it's just magic cards, guys. What? Oh, okay, boy. Who is this Jason? What does he know? Yeah, exactly. All right, so I think Santa's coming by. Whoa. <laughs> Santa's come down the chimney to give presents for all good boys and girls. I was going to say, he's a little late, but I'm also like you know, in my 40s now, so I guess it balances out. That is true. That is true. He's like, you owe me. He's bringing me oh, a lower like, APR of my loans. It's like, oh, thanks, man. <laughs> nice. Nice. Here's a beer trimmer. <laughs> Merry Christmas. You need it. Thanks, dude. He just leaves through the front door. <laughs> That's awesome. So anyway. But before we get into all this madness, let's talk about what we've been playing recently. Um, actually, I'm going to start first this time. Go nuts. Uh, uh, I will just go through a couple of things really quickly, and a couple I'll kind of breeze through because we'll talk about it on our topic. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the games that we were able to play for the first time was uh, Quest of Valeria by Daily Magic Games. Very cool, man. Yeah. This game is, it, it's funny because when you when you think of, like, Valera, you're like, okay, so it's in the same universe, it's got the same art, you know, it must be kind of the same mechanics. This has really not really that much of the same mechanics of the other ones. You know, it just has, you know, you'll use, like, the uh, resources or whatever on the cards to do certain things like you're supposed to what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to complete quest and to go to complete quest you hire people and it's got a higher higher rate of zero through three on the table which is called the tavern i think mm -hmm. and then also you can hire from your hand which costs two and for for you to hire what you actually use is the cards in your hand so you decide, you know, do you want to use some of the cards in your hand to hire the people to have the symbols enough to do the quest? Or, you know, do you hold on to them and try to press your luck and stuff like that? And it's got an, a lot of great little strategy. Um, Dan Dan called this the uh, Lords of Water Deep Light, and I kind of agree. You know, it's, you know, you're kind of doing your quest, but you're actually using cards instead of your meeples and going around and getting your resources that way. You're using the cards... Um, it also has like a tiny little twist of race for the galaxy because your hand is like both a resource and the things that you want to play. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then just like in, uh, why can't I think of it? Uh, what's the other Valeria game that we had the first one? Valeria Card Kingdom. Oh no, that's a, yeah, Valeria Card Kingdom, right? And it's, it's similar to Valeria Card Kingdoms where, Every time you complete a quest, you get some kind of bonus. So you'll get like get to draw a card, or you'll get to hire somebody else, or you can discard a card from somebody's. Oh, that's their tavern. That's in front of them. I can't remember what's the what's the side row that you hire the people out of. Maybe the guild. Maybe I can't remember exactly. Anyway, but there's a lot of different ways to kind of. Uh, interact with each other when you're playing this game and i think it's it's just a ton of fun it's super quick to play it's a cheap game and to tell you the truth as much as i like valeria card kingdoms i almost think that this is kind of cl coming close to being my favorite valeria game yeah um 
the one thing that I gotta say I'm pretty impressed with with the whole Valeria series, there's been a lot more variety between the games than I anticipated. Yeah. And I also like that it's one of those really small box games. One thing that's really good about this game is it's like, I think, 25 MSRP. Yeah. And it's like that kind of like half box size. So Definitely. it's very portable. And I mean, it has the, uh, we mentioned it before, I forgot the name, the artist from like Raiders of the North Sea and all that. Like, I like that art style. The, the scoring is pretty simple. And it, it's a really good game. I haven't played it for a long time, but it's something I, I might have to give another spin yeah i i feel i feel like if you got it it would be like a port royale where it's just something that's very it's very engaging and it's one of those that once you're done you're like oh okay we can we can squeeze in another game you know and then you get done with that and you're like oh i got a couple minutes let's do that again you know it's a good game to play during lunch you know it's a good game to play in between the heavies if you want to do it that way but i had a ton of fun with it yeah how long would, did you say your game took about Oh gosh, maybe 15 20 minutes at most. That's awesome. I mean it doesn't see I mean to learn it it take took a little bit, but even then it felt like it went very fairly fast, you know. That's pretty cool, man. I like that. Yeah, definitely. Um another game that I was able to play that is something that was on my short list of games that I was excited about last year that I didn't get to play until this year is Coimbra. Um Ooh. man. Oh, Coimbra. Dan gotta get this game this game <laughs> is fun think of orleans but dice like that's that's what that's how i feel it is you know think of like a mixing of like orleans and lagranja put those together it's a little more easier to or it's a lot easier to learn and it's just fun to play it feels like you can't play the same game twice also um so you're you're rolling dice and you're um, deciding where you put them. So like there's, so when you're when you're playing your dice, there's four spots. So there's a castle spot on top. Then your there's your upper city on the second row. There's your uh, middle city in the in the third spot. And then there's your lower or bottom city or whatever on the bottom. Okay. And when you do your castle spot, you well actually before you before you play, you roll a bunch of dice. Okay. And you get those dice, and then um, on the castle space, it goes ascending order. So if for a number one, you would go first picking your castle spot, and then going on up, you go in player order. And the castle spots have rewards that you don't have to pay for, basically. So like one of them, you can get uh, like seven coins and seven shields. And seven shields is basically another uh, another resource to buy cards during this game. And then... Um, there's like there's like some other stuff there and then there's your cities where you roll your dice and you put them in and then they go in descending order so whatever is the highest is going to go first and then whatever goes it goes lower there then you go you know so on and so forth and you're using either the coins or the shields depending upon how much you have to buy those cards that give you certain pluses that either are an immediate thing or happen during certain tur uh, turn orders in the round. And then also what you're doing is there's times where you can, you've got this little guy and you're moving around and you're traveling and you're getting certain bonuses there that are either uh, uh, immediate or um, end game bonuses. Um, and then the colors on the dice too, 
Those will actually move up on a player track where you can get victory points, you can get coins, you can get shield, and then you can get more movement out of your guy. I mean, it's just, there's a lot to this. I'm not going to sit there and explain it to you all just because it's just a lot. But yeah. uh, it, it really, it, even if it sounds complicated that I'm explaining it, it really isn't that much. All you have to do is just get into it and play it, and it's a ton of fun. I love it. It's so much fun. All right, so I do have one question for you because uh, the biggest thing that I keep hearing about with this game is that the purple strategy is very powerful. Did either you or Tracy try to use the purple strategy, or like uh, you basically like race along the uh, the purple method? So the purple is the movement with the with the player pawns. You know, I think Tracy ended up winning pretty pretty big on a lot of movement but i feel like i feel like if you play your strategy a little closer to the vest and try you know keep your movement keep an eye on that movement but i think if you do other things i think you can still keep up you just have to think of different ways to kind of you know get there before they do kind of thing i can see where if if you're only doing movement you might you might end up doing that. It's a that's a good question. I have to look into that just because we only played it the one time. Um, it may be something for future reference, but right now, you know, I could I could see it, but I would need to play it more to get more of a sense. Yeah, of I it. definitely want to revisit this because um, they actually talked about this game uh, not too long ago on Mile High Game Guys, and they got I think they said about like half a dozen plays, and they noticed that the purple strategy was always the winner's strategy. And so they said, like, now when they play it, their goal is to see what can counteract that. Because, like, most games, there's always a winning strategy until you realize, like, in a game of choice, there's usually always one choice that can undo it, like, almost like a trump suit. And it's the, now their challenge is, like, okay, what is it that trumps that strategy? Like, it could be a strategy that in and of itself isn't great, but when somebody's doing strong purple, now becomes viable. So I'm curious mm -hmm. as to how you guys uh, will go along with this, you know, and see what your thoughts are in a few more gameplays. Yeah, definitely. That's a that's an interesting thought. Yeah, I'll have to keep an eye out on that. Um, so then, as far as everything else goes, as far as what we played lately, it kind of ties into our topic. So I will wait until then. Right, sounds cool, man. So on my end, I got to try Space Base finally. Um, Space Base is almost like very similar to Machi Koro. Um, it's like another game where you're going to be rolling your dice on your turn. It's almost a little bit like Machi Koro meets Valeria Card Kingdom in a way. So Valeria Card Kingdom, you know how like every turn uh, you're going to resolve both dice and then the dice combined and like your cards are firing off every turn as well as the person that rolled and everything? Mm -hmm. Space Base has it where it starts out like every card is only going off on your roll and you choose whether or not you want the dice separate or combined into one number. So it's almost like parts of Valeria. But the thing is, every time you upgrade a ship, like when you buy a new ship, you take the previous one and flip it over and slide it onto your board next to that number. And then those now start generating those resources on your opponent's rolls. Hmm. Um, it was kind of fun. It's pretty cool. I wouldn't mind trying it again. Um, I, The only thing that was bad was I didn't get that much cash in the beginning. Like I bought one ship and I kept rolling the numbers for that ship and it was like a, a victory point ship. And what happened is I had like four or five points, but my opponents were getting cash much faster. Like it was, uh, I played with Kim and Howard. And like on the third or fourth round, I'm like, man, Howard's got this. 
because he got some high money ships. And I was like, yeah, I was like, rich people do very well when it comes to buying spaceships. And he did because he won handily. <laughs> um, wow, that 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 makes so yeah, much right? sense. It's like whoever thought finances would uh, help fund things. Um, besides that, <laughs> uh, got to play a little Champions Midgard again. That game is still really fun. It's still holding up well. Um, nice. Believe it or not, my enjoyment of Champions is kind of like why I didn't back Reavers because I don't think both games would probably be played in the same day. And mm-hmm. I really like Champions. I mean, Reavers might be great, but I don't want Champions to get replaced yet. So I figured I'd yeah. hold off. Um, got to play Dinosaur Island again. Nice. Uh, introduced it to a few more new people, and they loved it so much that uh, Pandasaurus should, you know, in the very least, tweet a, hey, thanks, man, because I just helped them sell three more copies of Dinosaur Island. It was insane. <laughs> nice. Yeah, they really, really enjoyed it. It was so funny. Just, like, they loved the whole thematic of it. They loved the part where once they saw how the whole threat track works where it's like your dinosaurs can start killing your park guests they're like wait a minute so if my threat's like 10 and my security's only five they kill and eat five people it's like yeah and like oh that's really bad i was like well you know unless you want to lose some victory points you go first because in dinosaur island whoever has the lowest points goes first in the next round and they're like wait a minute Mm -hmm. so i get to pick the dice first and i get to roll the dice let them eat the people and they (laughs) So it was like a race to the bottom because everyone wanted to go first so they could roll the dice and get the first crack at everything. So that was kind of weird and funny, but fun. Um, Also played a little more Naval War, that 1979 game. It's an old Avalon Hill game. I don't know why it's so fun. It's like, you know, it's another game where it's like, if you roll a six, you kill a ship instantly. Like, you have to hope to top deck the ammo that meets your ship. It's you can definitely tell the era of this game's creation when you play it, and just we love playing it all the time because uh, nice. you just you know you gloat that you succeeded even though it was just like a chance of a card or a die roll, but you still feel like you know like yeah that was my ship that did it. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, and the last two quick little ones I want to touch on is I think I may have mentioned it to you before, Kodinka, the little game by Backspindle Games, the little tile game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about that. We talked about it last last episode. Yeah. Um, got to introduce that to a few more people. They thought it was pretty cool. Um, the small box and price tag was something that they definitely enjoyed. And then one other that we got to break out again is Archaeology: The New Expedition. Um, this is actually a Phil Walker Harding game, and it, it, it's like really fun. It's like a little simple just you're trading to try to get set collection but there's also like these map cards that let you raid these tombs and there's six different like landmarks so the way that you raid the tombs will be different from game to game and like your set collection is you can like bring these things to museums and it'll be worth more victory points at the end and it was kind of funny because as we were playing it a lot of people were like man i really enjoyed this what you know like it, it feels almost familiar in a way too like what else did you make and he also made Gizmos, which is another really fun game that Simon put out this year. He also made Sushi Party Go. He also made Emotep. So it's like, it was kind of funny because we're like, oh yeah, I can definitely see that that vibe of that creator. And I was thinking about when we were talking the last time, that whole like creation process and these designers that can do these like different spectrums of games, but you still feel their touch. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was, like I said, it's really fun. It's... Z-Man actually put it out not so long ago. Like, Archaeology, the card game, is from, like, 12 years ago. Um, you know, and I mean, in board game terms, it came out in the year 7. <laughs> yeah. Not 1907. People are, 
people are digging this out of rocks. Yeah. Archaeology, get it? <laughs> yeah. Yes, we we fossilized our copy and hope that future generations will enjoy it. But it's just like it's a really enjoyable game. Uh, I like those simple press your luck elements. Like the trying to get those maps and really hoping for the best is awesome. Small box game. Um, it's one of those games that I picked it up on a lark because Kim loves archaeology. She loves the Egyptian themes and all those things. And I was like, all right, you know what? Let's let's just pick it up. You know, just for fun. But the play is really good. It's a really simple, uh, crisp look. It's like the linen finished card, so it has like a nice feel in your hands. And it's made by Z-Man. The, the king of, we will never reprint this, put out a game from 12 years ago. So I was kind of cool for that. And, uh, and it's still available. So if you're ever thinking of like, you know, you want a little set collection game, something a little fun to play with people, uh, a little bit of take that, because there's like thief cards that'll let us steal you from others. Um, there's also the take that everybody cards because these sandstorms come out that'll make everybody lose half of their treasures. You know, like that's part of the reason why you might want to sell it to the museums earlier, even if it means less points. This way a sandstorm doesn't sweep them away. But what's really cool is uh, like all the locals go through the sand after the sandstorm. So everything that people lost, it all goes to the market anyway. So you can kind of get back your lost cards. It's just that you got to kind of pay for them now. So it's like, hey, that's my watch. No, this is my watch, my friends. I've had this for 20 years. I'll give it to you, however, for just, you know, five cards. And you're like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's definitely a really fun little game. And it's great at two players. And it's also great at four and five players. So uh, my lock of the week is Archaeology, the New Expedition. Now, a little earlier, Kurt, you were mentioning... Uh, one of the other games that you wanted, you know, uh, you want to bring up in our future segment, and it was funny because I was looking on something on Kickstarter recently, and it's the new Suburbia set, and I was like, man, this looks really nice. I want to get this thing. And then I saw it's a hundred and twenty-one dollars for me to get Suburbia and get it sent to my house. So what is in this game? Is it, is it like, you know, a nice linen finish on the cards? And a nice, you know, plastic board game and a block of gold because that's yeah. the only reason why I would buy this. If it came with dinner, maybe. It's like, because it, it comes with all these mansions, like the tiles are bigger, there's like the skyscraper dispenser, like a lot of cool, neat stuff. But it's $121. And it's like, yeah, it comes with all the expansions, but it's still $121. And it's not a game where you use all the expansions at the same time because that means like, Oh, you have an airport? You'll never see another one because there's only seven airports in the game and there's now 400 tiles. Good luck. And it's like, yeah, like, and it comes with like these wooden tokens to mark those buildings that are airports or restaurants. It's like, yeah, that's neat. But it's $121. Like, I just couldn't justify it. But there is a game that's like around like 120 bucks that you said is completely worth the price. <laughs> yeah, with, um, with Gloomhaven... Which, it's funny, I never thought I would ever say, hey, guess what, I'm playing Gloomhaven now. You know, it's just, it's one of those I was like, you know, it's like, okay, it's 120 bucks. Sorry, I probably won't ever buy it myself. You know, it would be something that would either have to be handed down to me from my rich uncle, or, <laughs> you know... You know, maybe, you know, everyone decided to be nice and pool up all their money, you know, between like 18 people and, you know, give it to me for my birthday. 
But um, Mike was able to get it for Christmas because his wife had actually gotten something for herself that she really wanted. So he's like, uh, you can give me Gloomhaven for Christmas if you want. So they worked out a deal. Okay. And... I was going to say there's no way she could have hidden that in their house. <laughs> no. Like, and it's hey, funny, hey, too, Why is the couch she... touching the ceiling? Nothing's under the... <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is, too, is she actually tried to hide it. And um, he was actually home when it came, so there was no hiding it. Uh, I was gonna say it's like, it's like, oh, what is what is this? What is this box that looks like it's it's hiding a small child in it? It's like you know, it's like, honey, why is there a U-Haul truck in the driveway? No reason. It'll only be there two more weeks. <laughs> yeah, and why is this U-Haul on two wheels? Because <laughs> it's heavy. So we were able to play, so we were able to, Mike came over on a Saturday because we figured it would take a little bit and it would take up some space. And we played the first two scenarios of Gloomhaven. And if you're talking about something that plans out, it, it's basically if you could plan out your best D&D adventure in a box, that's what this is. You know, it's like, you know, it shows you it, it, it goes through that first scenario and makes you feel good. And it's like, Hey, guess what? You know, here's these couple of guys and you're just starting out and you know, why don't you go find some stuff here? You know? And you're like, Oh, okay. Oh, there's people here. Okay. We got to fight them. You know, we got to learn how to fight and we use our cards and stuff like that. And it tells this story, but also it gives you an opportunity to open up other stuff. Um, I'm trying not to be too spoilerific with this, but there are going to be some things that you're just going to hear. Yeah. Okay, I'll put it at the beginning. I'll be like, hey, guess what? If you don't want to hear about this, maybe you should skip past it and go to and you know listen to the next episode or whatever. But I'm just going to talk about talk about a few things without getting too spoiler. I, I was going to say, here's the deal. I'm going to also be the vanguard for the audience because we're going to start our Gloomhaven campaign soon, and I don't want you wrecking my shit. So. <laughs> So it gives you this sense of like, oh, this is this will be easy, you know, and stuff like that. And so we actually, within this first scenario, opened up something else. And this ain't, this is not really spoiling anything. There's a map, and you can, you know, open up new things. And you mark what you, you know, what you open up and stuff like that. And Mike had found something that probably, if he had wouldn't have done this certain thing, it wouldn't have opened up this other area, you know. So we had an option to do something else. But we continued on our little way, and we got to scenario two, and we're all feeling good, and we're like, yeah, we're doing really awesome. And then and everyone then died. Like, oh, yeah, and then it's like, oh, here's a, here's a couple of guys here. Okay, well, we'll just have to get rid of them, okay? Now there's a couple of guys here with a big baddie. Oh, okay, okay, well, we can do that, you know? And then, you know, it's like all of a sudden it's just like all hell breaks loose, and it's like, okay, we're going to die on scenario two, and we're going to have to draw new characters and stuff like that. Now, this is not a spoiler, okay? The boss that was in the second one had a bit of, a lot of hit points, and we did not, and we're th and I'm thinking, okay, well, we're dead, and it just, and things just kind of, we're going to snowball in the wrong direction if we didn't. But Mike ended up doing, I think, all but one point of damage on this guy. So, within one turn, had taken up all of his hit points except for one and then he was able by happenstance what was put on him defeated the next round so 
it was one of those that was just like, holy crap, I can't believe we did it. But Gloomhaven does a really good job of doing what you want D&D to do. Um, especially if you're, if you're using miniatures and if you're, you know, using maps and stuff like that, it, it gives you a lot of options. It gives you a lot of you taking the reins because not only are you taking the reins of these characters, you decide what you want to do with them. And it's not just you go from point A to point B to point C, which a lot of board games do, you know, they don't really let you have a lot of choice in where direction to go. And, you know, it's a lot of. I know that there's going to be a lot here, but there's also going to be a lot of little stuff here and little stuff here. And there's even like a like not a time limit, but there's kind of a time crunch on it too, to where if there's some th certain things you want to do, you have to do them now or forever hold your peace because you're going to be going, you're going to be moving on from that. So you have to make a lot of decisions. I feel like even though, in the stories that you in the story that you read and stuff like that there's not a you know not a lot of text but just enough to get you really engaged in what you have going on and it actually to me it forces you to have a dialogue with your other players like okay you know do we want to do this do we want to go this certain way is there something we want to avoid oh no we can't do this we have to sacrifice this one thing to get to this other thing and it's just like I know I've said this a lot with games I've I've played right away and I've really dug, but I really think that this is a game that is a true 10 out of 10. I really, like, really? just even playing two scenarios, I'm like, and there's some things I omitted in talking about this when you learn about the game. It's like, there is just so many great things about what they've thought about and what you can do that just, it makes me think that there's, they've created this game that they've hit the jackpot, you know? And obviously because it's number one, it's not, it, it's been out for quite a while now. It's obviously not a fluke. So that's one of the things I wanted to, um, so let me quick, uh, backtrack for just a moment. The whole notion of like the mechanics for the game, right? How do you feel like the mechanics tying into like the thematic nature? Do you feel like, cause I've heard a few people note that, for your few, first few games, like a lot of people miss or omit a rule because there's, it's like a little heavy. It's not overwhelming, but there's a bit to it. So did you find like the mechanics and the style like lends to the, the thematics? I think that there there are some things that you can miss, but that, again, that makes me think about D&D. &D, you know, it's like there's just so many things and sometimes you forget, but I don't think that's a detriment to the game, really. You know, if you forget, you know, one little rule here or something here, it's it's not going to be the end all be all. Now, if it's something you've played, I don't know, five to ten scenarios and you've missed that, then, you know, maybe it could be something where it's like, oh, crap, I really wish I would have remembered that. But, you know, in these first scenarios, it, it's funny that you bring it up because we, there was something where we're like, you know, I asked a question to Mike about something and I forget what it was, but I was like, you know what, this just seems like we're playing this wrong you know and he looked it up and he's like okay yeah it looks like we did play it wrong you know we were able to it was a few turns ago but we were actually kind of be able to we were actually able to kind of backtrack and be like okay you know what do we miss here did that affect anything no it doesn't look like it did and even if it did it might not be a big deal so you know i don't i don't feel like 
you know, if you miss a rule here or if you miss something there, I don't think it's a detriment to the game. I think it's it's streamlined so well and there's, you know, a lot of good stuff in it. And, you you know, just like any game, you know, you can make mistakes, but you can still move on and be okay. That's pretty cool. Now, like, how hard did you find the game? Because I did hear that the difficulty does pick up fairly quick mm-hmm. and, and lets you know that it's serious. Yeah. Well, like I said, that second scenario could have gone wrong. It really could have gone south. But for me, being a being a D and D player in the past, like I'm used to that kind of shit. You know, it's like <laughs> one of those things. It's like, oh, you know, like I I've even done it myself, where I've you know run a campaign and it's like, hey, you know, I'm this guy. Hey, I'm this guy. Oh, here you go. You're in it. You know, it's like it's like real life, you know, you can't just, you can't expect everything to just go, oh, here's, you know, I just met this person. It's going to be easy, you know? Just think of, like, your first, Dan, just think of your first date with Kim. Did that go perfectly well? I doubt it. Did the the, the next 10? Probably not. So, you know what, you can't just expect everything to go, go swimmingly. I mean, of course it went swimmingly. Why do you think we're married? <laughs> <laughs> You think this happens by mistake, man? No, this is by design. <laughs> so that's pretty cool, though. Um, so now, like, the other thing is um, with what we were touching on about, like, unlocking and everything. Yeah. I I think it's pretty interesting because it's, like, I think there's 94 scenarios. And uh, the fact that, you know, you went through two of them, that means you made it through roughly 2% of this game so far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also just the notion that um, if you ever wanted to go through all those 94 scenarios again, you don't have to use, like, I know there's like a couple of sticker sheets. You don't have to use those. You can get the removable stickers. You know, this way you can play the game instead of just 94 times like a punk, you can play it 198 times if you really want to, or 188 times. That's, you know, which is probably more likely, right? You figure, you play this yeah. once a week for the next four years, and you're fine. <laughs> that sounds really good, though, man. I'm, I'm very, very much looking forward to starting our campaign. Our biggest fear is the, like, we want to make sure that we get to play with the same people because I feel like this is a game you might feel a little sad if you start blowing through the story without, like, oh, Tom, you can't make it this week? No problem, man. We'll play something else. And then the next day you're like, ah, oh, dude, everyone's, everyone wanted to play uh, Gloomhaven, so, you know, we kind of just went on without you. You missed some really awesome stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's definitely something you have to, it's, it, again, it's, it's, it reminds me of D and D again. It's like sometimes you just it's sometimes it's just better to just play with everybody at the same time and try not to omit anybody. So one thing is like you know, and it's, so we're saying like you know, if, if the person can show up, they would be missing out on awesome, right? And I kind of like a lot of these, you know, like the games that are getting you immersed in a story, like you know, like that directed narrative that we were talking about earlier, and. Just based on like your initial uh, views of this, it's kind of easy to see why Gloomhaven has been number one, and it's been almost a year now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a lot of games are slipping in and out. This was the first thing to unseat Pandemic Legacy, I think. Uh, Pandemic, Pandemic Legacy Season 1. It hasn't mm-hmm. left since. Yeah. I kind of thought maybe Season 2 would bump it, but it did not come to be. But I was looking at like under like that storytelling idea, right? And like a few of the other games on this list. And uh, so the top three... And I don't think it comes as any surprise. Gloomhaven is the cheapest to the top three. The other two being the Seventh Continent and Kingdom Death Monster. Where, yeah, 
Um, so it's like, hey, do you want a cool story for 120 bucks, or do you want a cool story for 1,000 and change? <laughs> that is insane to me. Yeah, it's a it's a hard pill. Like, I really want to try Kingdom Death Monster because um, everything I hear from it sounds amazing. My biggest fear is it's like, all right, man, I got Kingdom Death Monster. I just spent 600 bucks. I got the game. Who's gonna start? Santa. That's who wants to play Kingdom <laughs> Death. It's just gonna be like, all right, let's start doing some Kingdom Death. People are like, oh, well, actually, I can't make it this Saturday. It's like, no problem, man. We'll do it next Sunday. And then next Sunday, oh yeah, uh, you know, I, I actually ended up going to the mall instead. And then I just want to murder everybody because they're denying me my dreams. Um, <laughs> so I don't know which is worse, not having it or having it and not being able to play it. But I think I'm only going to know the first half of that equation for the rest of my life, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, some of the others, Robinson Crusoe, Adventure on the Cursed Islands. Did you ever get to play that one? No, I didn't, actually. It's like, it has a lot of scenarios. I can kind of see why it's up there, because, you know, you're exploring the island, you got to find food to survive and everything. Um, oddly enough, I feel like the Discover Lands Unknowns game can kind of give that to you, too. But everyone's too busy hating Discover Lands Unknown, because it's like, oh. I don't want to go to desert. What happens if I go to desert? <sighs> so it's not going to get in the top 30 of storytelling, even though it's an incredibly narrative and story-driven game because people are too busy hating it. That's fine. Um, <laughs> Elder Tar is on there. That's pretty easy to see. That, that one has been around for a long time. I think they're on the third edition of Elder Tar now. So, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, um, it's very easy to imagine the mythos world. I was surprised Mansions of Madness wasn't higher, like in the top twenty or thirty. But I'm my only like originally I thought it was like maybe that price tag is carrying people off. And then I was like, oh, but Gloomhaven's like you know like a hundred to one hundred and forty. And I was like, yeah, Mansions of Madness is a hundred, Gloomhaven's one forty, and then Gloomhaven has everything in it, and Mansions of Madness has like six expansions. Yeah, Gloomhaven. Like I can see if I was in a store, and it's like. Like, oh man, let me get Mansions of Madness, please. Do you want any expansions? How much will the total be? $340. Can you give me that Gloomhaven box over there? Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it, it might all depend upon, you know, what you like too, because if you're not big on fantasy, yeah, true. you know, and you're, you know, more into the Cthulhu, you know, universe or whatever, it's, you know. I know it sounds weird, but it's hard for me to picture somebody not being into fantasy, but yet being into Cthulhu mythos. It's like, elves are stupid. Yeah, yeah. Elves there, are gods. There are people out there, I'm <laughs> sure. Know, sure. Um, this war of mine, that's on the top ten, and good lord. I mean, I, it deserves a spot, but oh my god. It's, it's hard to, like, be happy after playing this game. You know? Because <laughs> uh, it's just got, is, is it, is, it's just depressing, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. It's like, we, every time we played it, everyone died. And I'm like, I don't know if there's any other ending to that game. Like, I don't know if there's a, like, and then they survived or something, because we haven't had that happen it. yet. <laughs> like, it would be yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. War is hell, yeah. I heard, so I don't think it's going to end well. Yeah. Just, between Kim and I, I think we killed off 14 people in this war of mine. And nice. I'm sure soon enough we'll pick another three that have to perish at our hands. But, you know. Yeah. That, there's, there's another game out there that's, again, I think I've talked about this not too long ago, but, like, there's another game out there that I really want to try that's a thematic but kind of adult kind of... Uh, scene is that uh, Coma Ward game, and that looks amazing. That's something, yeah. That's something I'd really like to try, even though it it will end horribly. I just know it. 
but um, it just seems like that would just be a lot of fun. The, yeah, the Comanauts, right? Um, all right, What's I'm that? gonna actually, it's uh, Comanauts is, I think that's the title, right? We just said that, I just wanna make sure that we said the right title. Coma Ward. Coma Ward, that's my, something else. Is it, is it the one where like you're going into the dreams of the person that's sleeping? I think so. I think that's Coma Knots, the one by Plat Hat Games. Nope, Coma Ward. This is that's the one I'm thinking about. You must be thinking of something else. Oh, okay. Yeah, because wow, there's another game about people. They like games with people in comas lately. Is this is like comas 2019? Oh, this is this is uh, this one is by Everything Epic Games. Okay. And this is players or patients who have an awoken in an abandoned yet still functioning hospital with no memory and no idea what what is happening. Patients must search the hospital for clues and necessities. In their search, patients may find unspeakably terrifying things. I've won this each, now. <laughs> yeah, and then each you know each time you play, it's an ever changing hospital with different clues and stuff like that. And it it there's a lot of like you know mature stuff. It's like you know kids dying there's lots of like sensitive things so they are they tell you right away it's like if you're gonna get into this game you better know what you're gonna get into but it sounds amazing so it's mansions of madness hospital edition because that sounds great <laughs> and i want to play it immediately yeah exactly oh my god that does sound great okay uh, <laughs> um a few of the others actually believe it or not both the dead of winter games um the long night and regular dead of winter is in the top 20 which is very cool you know what's funny is is i thought of this kind of last minute to put on my list and i was like i feel like the, like dead of winter was kind of the start of more of that you know where i you know the crossroad the crossroad cards are definitely like those are like the best ones you know to get into because it's like there's so many scenarios and that and those that little well it's actually quite a bit big deck of cards you know yeah. and it may you know it really it puts things in perspective you know with your characters and stuff like that and it's like oh if you have this person it tell kind of tells the story like walking dead style of what this person or like the dog is going through which even that's like oh my god come on so depressing don't do that to me <laughs> um so a few others real quick, uh, like Above and Below and Near and Far. Makes sense, right? Yep. Yeah, I can see those. Yeah, Tale definitely. of Arabian Nights, uh, also known that, as Misery that I, Story. <laughs> that that I have not played. Oh, dude, you owe it to yourself to play it because it is a game where it's like you're a slave, you're tortured, you're you know you're trapped by a genie, uh, you know, and then it's like the whole thing is like you're trying to like just complete these quests, and it's just any damn thing that can go wrong for you does. You oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, that does not sound like a lot of fun, but I'm sure it's a great game. It, it is actually, it's oddly fun. Um, a few of the others, it's kind of cool. It's like um, like the Sherlock Holmes, Chronicles of Crime, Detective, a modern crime uh, story uh, game. A lot of those are in the top 20. And that kind of like, it's really cool because, you know, these like it does feel like you're a cop when you're playing these games, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, like can we find the killer? Can we do this? Can we do that? But here's the one thing that surprised me. Um, there's three different Dixits in the top 20. We got Dixit Odyssey, Dixit, and Dixit Journey. And then there's also um, Detective, a modern, I'm sorry, not Detective, um, Hong Kong, Deception, Murder in Hong Kong. And also like in the top 30 is like, like basically games like that where it's these, there's like no narrative in the cards themselves. It's actually the players creating themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of found that really interesting because 
you know, we were talking about like, you know, narrative in the sense of like these narrative driven games, right? Like, like a legacy of dragon halt or like, you know, like a fog of love or something. Whereas like, it's telling you the story and like you're making these choices. But some of the things that are on there are the things that tell no story at all. And that you create out of this. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really interesting to think about like both sides of that coin because like like a game like Gloomhaven, you know, even when you were talking about it and stuff like that, you weren't saying like, oh, the luck of the, you know, like, thank God we flipped over this card because we encountered these people. Or it was like, you're like, me and Mike actually went and found these people. Then me and Mike geared up and stuff like that. And it's really interesting how, you know, these narrative games can also do that part. And then sometimes, like, even like Scythe, how when you do these encounter cards it's just a picture and then you make choices you know there's no story there's no backgrounds like you know you don't know if they're friends or foes or citizens or not it's just like up to you to make these like little tales mm -hmm. and i like that the game creators are starting to include the players in some of the creative processes now yeah you know yeah yeah it feels like that's like a thing that's becoming more of a trend, you know, because it's making it's making the players feel like more like they're a part of that story, you know. And I think that's <clears throat> even though I've not played Dixit myself, I've heard so many things on different other podcasts and stuff like that where it's like, you know, people just love this game because it it affects your creative mind to tell these stories, you know. So it's, you know, it, it you know again it I'm. I just keep pushing back to role playing, but it's like it's, you know, it's just a a husk for you to tell your own story, you know, and you will you'll do that. And when you when you have the power in your hands, a lot of times it it affects you positively, where you're just like, wow, I ha you know I'm doing these things, just like you said about us playing Gloomhaven. You know, it's like that's the, the one thing that I thought in my head when. It, after we were done playing Gloomhaven, I just kept thinking about it. I was just like, wow, this game is so awesome. I just love how many choices we get and stuff like that. It's not it's not like the board game is giving us, or the, it's not like the board game is making choices. We're making those choices, and we affect where the story goes. You know, and I love that, you know, you can kind of do that. You know, um, there are some other games that, that, uh, that you didn't talk about that I just kind of want to include that, you know sometimes are there as kind of a story that leads you down a path but you can kind of interact with it in a way that makes it your own like um like some of the exit games you know it's like okay you've got you know you're in this abandoned mansion and you know, this guy is here and he's gonna you know you gotta solve all of his puzzles to get out you know in time and uh we played only the one exit game but it was like you know, basically, like, even when we were not solving stuff and there was a lot of downtime, we were getting kind of, like, stressed out, like, we were kind of telling stories, like, you know, like, oh, you know, I can't believe that this is happening. Like, man, just think if we were really in there, you know, I'd be like, I'd be the first one missing a leg or, you know, I'd be someone who fell down the trap because, you know, I'm just, I, I can't figure this out at all because I'm terrible at it, you know. Um, another game that kind of makes me think of that is like that uh, choose your own adventure, that house of danger. It's like it kind of tells its own story and 
you know, but you get to make those choices, you know, and sometimes some of the, if you miss something, you're like, oh man, I would have totally done that. You know, if like, you know, the, if there's this, you know, this clue that's right in front of me, of course I would just walk past it because I saw this other thing that I was like, <laughs> ooh, shiny, you know, it, it, these games just kind of bring out that, that great, like passion for telling a story that you want to do that. I, I like how they do that. Um, another game that I'm surprised is not in there, but I don't know if it's under that category, is like Imperial Assault. Star Wars Imperial Assault. That kind of has that thing where it, even though it's one of the players playing the bad side and a bunch of people playing the good guys, like, you still, like, as you're doing it, you're making all these choices. You're like, okay, you go over here. I'm going to go around the side. I'm going to shoot this guy. But, you know, you heal up or you get, that, get to that computer and get those codes, you know, like... It, it it tells a story, but it also immerses you and makes you feel like you're a part of that Star Wars universe where you're like, wow, I'm doing all these things. I can't believe all that. I'm like, you know, I'm like Luke in this part, or I'm like, you know, Han Solo in this part. Like, there's there's just a lot of good a good essence out there. And then one other one that I thought was, uh, when you thought of, when you said Scythe, I had it on here. Um, Charterstone is kind of like that, where it's like, you know, you're trying to you know, you're trying to keep the God King happy and you're doing these certain things, you're open up certain boxes and stuff like that. But, you know, even though it's telling a story, it's like, this is your land and you're trying to figure out how to, you know, tell your own story within your land. And I just, I like that. Yeah. I mean, um, it's kind of funny because like for Kim and I, like lately, we, you know, uh, because of time, we've been doing like a lot more of these like roll and writes and simple, smaller games, right? Like things that can be like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. But just like in those narrative senses, like we've actually been trying to tap back into continue our campaign of near and far. Because mm -hmm. there's just something about like that storytelling. Because like I do really miss the Pandemic Legacy Season 2, like that narrative and that arc. And that it's something about like, I think there's always going to be something in, especially to like fans of role-playing games, where that little bit of growth, you know, be it in the story or your character's power or something, just seeing that like little seed grow into something more is always a facet you want. You know? Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, it's fun to just play like a straight-up board game like Pandemic and it's like, ah, you know, we died or like, oh, you know, like let's play Match of Madness. Like, oh, cool, you know, we actually escaped. But like the Arkham Horror Living Card Game, when, you know, that it actually tells you, like, oh, did you do this? Make sure you make note of this. Oh, did you? And then you just instantly have that hook of, why do I have to put down that I found this book? Why do I have mm -hmm. to write down that I found a pair of glasses? Didn't tell me to write down that I found that gun. Didn't tell me to write down that I found that apple. Why do I write down these pair of glasses? Like, stuff like that is really cool. Yeah. I like the one of the parts, and we actually played through the first. Uh, the three scenarios of the original game or whatever before the expansions and there was a part where it's like oh here write down all the names of the people that you didn't get you didn't beat or you didn't come in contact right. with and I'm like I and you're like why am I writing down all of these people's names and then you're like this list is long I don't like that <laughs> <laughs> I know the one you're talking about it was great because as soon as like when Kim saw that her eyes went wide and she's like we should do this one again because I don't like that <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we wrap this up you know like just based on these like narrative senses and everything 
if you got to have a like storytelling game about a particular mythos or a certain style or something, like what would you love to see? Like what do you think we need another storytelling game like to to cover as topic? Boy, that's that's tough. You know what? It's funny as I I was thinking about it and uh, something that I think would be kind of fun, which had become more of a thing where they have come out with a few more Western board games, but just regular, you know, uh, regular trying to think of what I'm trying to think of what what the word is like. Okay, so like non story like, you know, board games like that, but like having a, a narrative like Western game. I think would be a ton of fun. And I think you could even, you know, make it like if you want to make it sci-fi western, you know, something a little different or something like that, but something where like like Westworld and stuff. Yeah, yeah, something kind of like that. Like I think that would be, you know, something that would be kind of fun. You know, maybe even something more you know, maybe something sci-fi horror or something like that, but not something that's not Arkham based, you know, but yeah, just trying to think of something else that kind of pops in my head. But yeah, that Western theme kind of sounds like that would be something that would be fun because you could take, you could even make it like old timey, you know, wild West, but kind of update it, you know, where, you know, it's not just, you know, Oh, I'm the guy that's going to save the girl and I'm going to get the treasure, you know, that kind of thing. You know, you can really update it to where it includes everyone, you know. So you don't think that Tiny Epic Westerns has enough narrative derivation to to really hook you? It doesn't. It looks great. No narrative. All right. So what I think would be cool is, um, like, I'm not actually a big fan of sci-fi, but a lot of my friends are, right? You know, like a lot of Star Trek fans or anything. I think it would be awesome if they made a Fog of Love that's about actually encountering alien races. And like you're basically a diplomat for human like humankind. So it'll be like nice. just like in Fog of Love, how you like choose the traits for the other person and stuff like that. Like, you know, maybe like there's like a trait tag and it's like, oh, these like these tribes are aquatic and they are warlike and like uh, they favor, you know, like uh, music. And this way it's like <laughs> and then you can play out these diplomatic meetings where it's like, oh, you know, like it's the night of our, uh, you know, where we celebrate our God. <laughs> it's like, what do you feel nice. about religion? And then they can have those same awesome, awkward moments that you get in Fog of Love, but it's sci-fi themed. So people nice. don't go, oh, I don't want to play game called Fog of Love. Urgh. I don't want my friends to think I'm trying to date them. So like, it's, <laughs> so you can just tell example like, and make it about, no, no, no. We're actually settling, like, you know, tidings with aliens you know, to ensure, like, future prosperity, you know, just like Star Trek. And they're like, oh, I want to play that, you know? Nice. (laughs) I think that could be good. Also, I feel like mocking people a lot today for some reason, apparently. I don't know why. (laughs) Hey, people must be mocking. And it's the same guy from the other game. It's just like, oh, I don't know why. (laughs) I don't know why I keep hanging out with that guy. He doesn't want to play anything I want to play. Yeah, exactly. He he does not seem like he's, he likes board games at all, actually. (laughs) So, so if you have any, you know, thematics that you really enjoy in board games and stuff like that, kind of let us know at MFGCast on Twitter. Uh, join our Facebook page. I've only said this a million times. Would you just do it now, please? Would you just do it? All you have to do, go and follow or join the group and just say a few words. Don't be shy. I will I will love everything. I will like everything you say. If it's funny, I'll give you a ha-ha face. Come on. 
just join it, would you? And and in the very least, if uh, if you don't like Facebook and you're like they're data mining me and they want to take my identity and wear my face, there's always Twitter. You can do that. Uh, That's true. I mean, if if you really want, uh, just shoot us a quick message on Twitter, and we'll even like you know tell you where you can send letters. If you're like, you know what, I don't trust the internet at all. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I will I will write handwritten letters. I haven't done that since grade school. That'd be fun. However, I will sign every letter back to you. It's like warmest regards. Beauregard, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and on that note, I'm Kurt, and I am letter writing D. Wyatt. <laughs> oh, awesome! Good night, Beauregard. And this was the MFG Cast. Thanks for listening. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends one die at a time.